get going way back in time. Doesn't feel like it's seven years ago, but it was back in 2014. The debut album for Chet Faker, Built on Glass, a huge record for the Melbourne artist. He won the J Award that year. It also took out a stack of arias and he was off and sailing. And then two years later, he pulled the plug on Chet. He changed to his real name, Nick Murphy, for future releases. But Chet is back after seven years. He's finally given us a second album as Chet Faker. It is called Hotel Surrender. We're going to cross to his studio in New York City in a moment. Uh, find out how he's doing. We're going to touch base with Chet Faker, play some of the new music that he's just released. Just because I feel Hey, Chet Faker, welcome back to Triple J. Nice to finally meet you. How are you? Yes, I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well. Um, you're obviously in Manhattan in your little studio. How? I've got to ask you because, you know, most of the country in Australia back home is in lockdown. Uh, we saw some pretty scary images on our TVs of New York City mm. last year. What's it like at the moment? Mm. It's, um, it, well, it's more or less back, but it's not... This, this, uh, the Delta wave is kind of coming through. A lot of people, a lot of unvaccinated people are getting it. So it's, uh, I, you know, I've been wearing my mask again, which I wasn't for the start of summer. But yeah, it's it, all the stores are open, but it, there is a sort of like underbelly of not so goodness going on. Like a lot of places are shut down, or you know, businesses that that, that went belly up last year. So mm. there's a there's a sort of edge or a grit to it that wasn't there before yeah um, yeah this delta wave is obviously sending shockwaves through the world i think i read somewhere that mm. you actually got covid is that right i did yeah 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 i had covid yeah when did you get it uh last year uh, the end of last year. well the end of last year the thing i actually think i might have gotten it twice but i, I didn't get tested for the first time because i didn't go anywhere but I had uh, what's I don't know if you guys know about long COVID. I have what they call long COVID, which yeah. is like a it's a, a long term symptoms the aftermath. So when I actually had COVID, I was sick for like three days. I was basically in bed for three days with like a swollen head, which is a weird feeling. And I knew that I was like I'm pretty sure this is COVID because this is nothing like any, the flu or anything I've ever had before. But then I was all good, so I was like cool. You know, rock and roll. <laughs> I'm all good. Yeah, what, what, is, for, yeah, what is this thing they yeah, call, I mean, call COVID? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you will not defeat me. <laughs> Immune system for the win. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, I was pretty confident because I have or have always had a pretty good immune system, like travel around the world, I've been to India and all that shit, you know. But uh, fast forward, well, like three months later, October, November last year, I didn't know it was COVID. I basically just knew that there's something very wrong with me. And I thought I had a blood disease. So I was going to, oh, I was trying to go to the doctors, which of course was super busy with uh, COVID, which meant because the healthcare system was crippled. If you came in, if you weren't dying, they were like, get out of here. You're wasting our time, you know? Yeah. But I was like, so I tried not to, you know, but eventually I was like, no, there's something very wrong with me. So I was going getting blood tests and everything and everything was coming back normal except for my B12 was like super low. But basically, uh, like it's a gastrointestinal thing. So like I couldn't eat anything and I already ate really basic foods, but it was like 
it was crazy. My stomach couldn't handle nothing. And then the, 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 there's something wrong with my head. It was like, I would get what they call like brain fog, which isn't what I thought it meant. I thought brain fog was like, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I need my coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I always thought but brain fog was that as well. What, what, what is it? Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's more like, you know, that you are awake but it's like every time you try to think, it's like something like smacks the hand, uh, smacks the thought out of the way or something. And that for me was the scariest part of it was was that my basically my brain didn't work. Like I remember standing in my kitchen for like 15 minutes trying to figure out if I was going to sit down or, or what I was doing. It was really were you scared? Yeah, it was really hectic. I was scared by that. I wasn't scared by the physical sickness. Because I suppose I'm, uh, I have a bit of like a, a, in my head, I'm like, I'm safe up in my head. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if my body doesn't work. But it never occurred to me that it would um, like mess with my brain. Yeah. So did the symptoms just naturally disappear or did you have to take something to get, get that? No, out? no, 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 no. Hell no. No, I had it for months. I was going to the doctors and then they didn't know what long COVID was then. Or like it wasn't a known thing. And then these articles started coming out describing, I basically read three different articles that described exactly what I was experiencing. I mean, I didn't know GI and, and like confusion was COVID. You know, I thought it was like messed with you know, something else, but it described it as, um, they basically described exactly what I had as long COVID. And then I read an article that said something like 40% of people with long COVID had said that the vaccine had helped with their symptoms. And by that point, I was so fucking, oh, sorry. That's, I know you can't swear. Let's go. That's all right. I'm used to America. You can't swear here. <laughs> no, you can't, so on the you radio, can't even, it's so boring. You can't even say damn in America. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my God. Okay. Wow, fuck. This feels great. No. <laughs> but yeah, basically, I read that um, the vaccine had helped, like 40% of people said it helped with long COVID. And by that point, I was pretty messed up. I wasn't doing it. I hadn't done anything in like three months. All I I went and sat in the park every single day. I was so not good. So I once I read that, I was like, all right, I'm gonna go get the vaccine. And uh the first one kind of helped for a bit. Like symptoms went away for a couple of days, which was cool. And then uh the second shot, I ha- I haven't had any symptoms since. So it fixed it fixed you. God. <sighs> And it totally you- fixed me, but I'm I'm like paranoid now. I'm like kind of turned into Howard Hughes a bit. I was very <laughs> like, I'll admit, I was like not buying a lot of the, you know, I was like, fuck this, like, I'll be fine, whatever. It's just, you know, but but after that, now I'm like, like a buddy of mine came over the other day who isn't vaccinated. And he was like all sweaty and he's like, give me a hug. And I was like, bro, <laughs> I like, I'm like, you, you, you have to leave. And he's like, you're vaccinated. I'm like, yeah, but I don't ever want my brain not to work again. <laughs> like if I had to tour in that, I, I could not have well, that's played what I was, music. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Imagine if you hadn't have finished the record by that point. There's no way I would. I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I could, I, I had a hard time like choosing what to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this is uh, anyway. Yeah. So, and and you feel mm. like you did before you got it. So, do you, are you like any other repercussions or anything? Are you back to normal? Oh uh, no, nah, my stomach is still not one hundred. Like I still, it's like most of the time pretty good, but I feel like my my gut still get hit. But 
But man, it's so hard for me to tell that because for one, the world has completely changed. Like the tone of reality is just <laughs> it's like smacks of existentialism. And then also like, uh, you know, I had like a, a uh, my, my dad passed away and then like, so all this stuff changed in my life. So it's like, I don't really know like what caused what, you know what I mean? So I'm definitely not 2019 me, mm. <laughs> but, but in terms of, um, physical health, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, that's I'm good. Feeling... That's good to hear. Yeah. Chet Faker is yeah. with us on Triple J. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'm real, I was really sorry to read about your father passing away. And then I was like, man, mm. this is so hard for Chet because you couldn't get back home for his funeral, which must've been, that must've been devastating. It was pretty annoying to not be able to come back. Um, I still haven't been able to come back because of the two weeks. I, two weeks in a locked in a room is literally my personal hell. So mm. I just like can't. I'm probably going to miss one of my best friend's wedding. Sorry, Hamish, if you're listening. <laughs> when was the last time you were back in Australia? Was it 2019? Yeah, it was, yeah, uh, Christmas 2019. Yeah. Went to the farm with Dad and the kids. So your dad, you were close to your dad all the way through your life. Sure, I mean, we, we, let's we could. It's a whole nutshell. We could go. We could go down this in another time. Okay. But yeah, I, I love. I love my dad. He was a. He was a very strong character. Extremely chaotic individual with an absolute lust for life, and um, yeah, yeah. He taught me some really valuable lessons that. Uh, I'm grateful for. So he passed away in about, I think it was May last year. And once again, uh, mm -hmm. I, from what I understand, the record was all pretty much done up until that point as well, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, more or less. It, I was pretty much done at that point. The record yeah. would have the record would have taken on a very different feel. I would have imagined if I would you... imagine, yeah, it probably would have been difficult to to finish those songs. But who knows? I mean, it's life is weird in in a sense. I mean, for anyone that's, you know, uh, lost a loved one or that sort of um, reality check of our mortality certain, certainly brings into, it certainly makes things important and things not important, you know? So I think for me, I, it, there, a lot of gratitude was found in the simple things like music and just that we, it, life really is, can be very short and we ought to take what sweetness we can when, when it's available to us. Yeah. Well, did he like your music? Just I don't want to go too far down the rab <laughs> ra rabbit hole of you and your father, but um, I'm always interested in terms of how parents kind of react to their kids making music. Was Did he like uh, listening to your stuff? Uh, it's, it's funny you ask that. I know I know he was proud of it, uh, 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 proud, of, proud of me, you know, of the, of the music and, and but I, I don't, I don't know if he was like, in, into it it's I, I actually have some music that it will be coming out that i had always thought oh dad will like this one you know i think he would have liked hotel surrender because it, it had the kind of playfulness to it you know i don't know if he kind of jived with that um the more attention-based music which i was really sort of chasing after <laughs> for a while there you so, mean, yeah do you mean you mean the nick murphy releases Pretty much, yeah. But even some of the earlier, like some half a built on glass or whatever, was that kind of like uh, the catharsis stuff. It was sort of written from a, a place of turmoil or, or, you know, woe is me. So yeah. But I don't know. We we never really 
I never really had that conversation. <laughs> never really. It's a big question to ask your dad if he likes what you yeah. do. Yeah, That's what do you scary. Think? Yeah, <laughs> dad, what do you hey, dad, what do you think of this song? Track he, four on the record. And he, and he would absolutely <laughs> tell tell you the truth always. That was something that I unfortunately inherited from him is the inability to not tell someone what you think. <laughs> so I never asked him. Thank God. But, <laughs> you avoided yeah. it. Avoided the question. Why so pretty? I'm asking you really You baby don't hurt me With the keys to my city With the eyes in your head Gonna make me don't care About anything else With the voice in my head I just wanna know about Whatever love gets you there I just wanna let you know I like the kind of things you wear ask you one thing that's always intrigued me with some of your songs especially something like feel good where it's got that sort of bouncy bass line there's some really nice strings and Mm. horns in there the vocals Mm. are obviously really you know strong in that track as well when you were writing that track where does it start for you because i i couldn't pick it like i don't know what instrument you would have reached for to start writing that track what where did the idea originate from i think it was bass and a kick drum and there's a ride there's a ride cymbal part that doesn't exist anymore but it was like ging 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 ding ging 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 and then like a kick like ging 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 and it was like the bass like doom the doom the doom the doom like and then that's kind of why so pretty I see you really so that was kind of what that came out of it was rhythm it came out of this rhythm sort of like staunch backbone of a groove we you feel so confident in the groove that you can kind of just sing the same thing over and over and and it and it feels good <laughs> And is that a typical is that a typical kind of genesis for a Chet Faker song? Uh it's no. I get asked that question all the time. Like in terms of what my approach is, it's always different. But I think the drums are important though. That's for sure. I, I can't think of many songs where I haven't had like the gro- at least the groove already in existence. And if it hasn't existed, it's existed within the keys part. Like like Get High, for example had like that so like it's kind of like in the left hand you know it's sort of playing the drums
Overall, yeah. Hotel Surrender, um, you know, it's got a fairly ominous title. Hotel Surrender, by the way, is it a state of mind or is it actually your nickname for that little studio in Manhattan that you're sitting in at the moment? It's uh, I, That's funny you think it's ominous. It, to me, it's such like a, a, a lightness. Uh, I, I think because the, the, the surrender is not I give up, it's I accept. That's kind of how I think of that word. But uh, Hotel Surrender was kind of my like nickname for that space of, I mean, surrendering, you know, and the hotel part came from me. Like I would like come into the studio and I would check in on myself. Like, okay, how are you feeling, man? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, you know, you check into a hotel because in the past I would always try and like force a mood or a space, you know, I might be like stressed, but I'm like, let's make something chill. And then that like dissonance would just like, it wouldn't be good. But what I started to do for like the first time in a long time was I just came in and I was like, hey, man, how you feeling? And I was like, feeling kind of stressed. And <laughs> and I was and I was like, all right, cool. Let's work with that. You know, and then I would like let it be what it wanted to be, which is the surrender part. And then I found increasingly more, the more I did that, the more I would move away from the maybe emotions I didn't like. And I kept arriving at this space that I kind of called Hotel Surrender, which is where these songs would come out, you know, which is where these songs on the record came from. And not just the songs, but I felt really good in this space, you know. And it didn't mean that life was good. There were some really challenging things going on, but I was still able to get to this space where I was like, yeah, but I'm okay right now, you know, and, and however I'm feeling is is totally fine for, for this moment. Right. And these songs would sort of just spring up, you know. Yeah. So once again, is this is this like post-February last year as COVID is starting to take over the world or is this even before that? It was, it was, before, it was across it. So it, I basically, uh, well, my manager found this space in January 2020 uh, this tiny little studio, and it really is tiny. It's the smallest studio I've ever had. But interestingly, it's the first time I've had my own personal like space to work in since Built on Glass. And I was coming in here every day and making music. And so I kind of started to like hit on that space that, that we're talking about. And then the pandemic came and it just like stripped away everything else and it was just like i would just go to the studio every day and was have these insane memories that seemed like fake dreams of walking through manhattan with not a single soul to be seen mm. um, imagine if you hadn't if your manager hadn't have organized that for you as well uh you would have gone yeah. you would have gone crazy <laughs> oh he also found me an apartment to live in because up until the end of 2019 I'd been basically just like floating around footloose on this sort of ridiculous journey of self-discovery, <laughs> trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to be. And I, I just landed, you know, three months before all hell broke loose. But yeah, it was, it totally became this like sanctuary, like a temple or just, I would come, I was coming here every day because it was that or existential dread. So I much prefer this option. (laughs) (laughs) With Hotel Surrender as well, there's a track, you know, that we've been playing called Whatever Tomorrow. 
And you just said mm. before that, you know, I kind of viewed the word surrender as being a little bit ominous. You, you see it as a mm. strength and accepting something and working with it. Mm. Mm. The, the track mm. Whatever Tomorrow, though, especially Whatever Tomorrow Got the Best of Me, sort of mm. what, was the, what was the headspace there behind that lyric and, and that song, do you think? That one was definitely written during the pandemic and it was kind of right in there where I think, or at least it felt like over here, that this like this sales pitch of society <laughs> it had begun to fracture. And it, I, it felt like they were giving all this money to all these companies that had just made all these people unemployed. And there was like very little handouts. And it was just, the government was just, it was just bullshit. Like everything, I think last year, it was like one of the largest upward transfers of wealth in, in the history of like modern economics. All the bill billionaires just like, I don't know, they got a lot more money um, while people were, were dying. And this was around um, the protests, the George Floyd protests, which, which I was going to. And the NYPD were being super aggressive here. And it just, it just really felt like um, just how so many of us are kind of sold this idea of tomorrow. Like, oh, just put off your happiness till tomorrow, you know? Just come into work and do this and everything will be good tomorrow, 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 you know? And uh, it was just kind of like, well, whatever tomorrow, you know? Like, what about today? Like, it's, I, I just think it was kind of an analysis of our entire species is just putting off our biggest problems. We keep doing it from economics to uh, justice and equality to global warming. It just was like, man, we're all sitting here. Mother Nature is very clearly like <laughs> ripped the cord out and, and we're still not talking about, you know, fixing this. So that was kind of what that song was about. A little bit of like a man, you know, whatever tomorrow, how about today? To, uh. We are running out of tomorrows, but there's a case in point where, you know, you've, you, sure. you've, you've said that, you know, that sort of divide between Nick Murphy and Chet Faker, Chet Faker's kind of mm. got a bit more of a sort of an upbeat feel, but I always mm -hmm. listened to that song and, and felt the resignation, but also felt the, you know, the underlying frustration and al almost anger in that mm. track. So, you know, mm. the Chet, the Chet mm. Faker guys can cover the upbeat, but also the really serious too, can't it? Yeah, it, I'm, the separation of the projects for me, the whole the whole purpose of me wanting to kind of 
put away or destroy the Chet Faker thing was I felt that I needed a place where I could go and do music for the sake of music. I could do weird, abstract, long form, hour long piano improvised records and figure out who I was spiritually and who I wanted to be uh, without this huge constant feedback machine of uh, people telling me exactly who I was and exactly who I was meant to be. So in terms of the separation of the of the project, I really think of like the Chet Faker project for me, it does is not challenging at all. It's extremely giving. The song says, "Hey, here's a vibe. <laughs> have it. <laughs> have the vibe. It's yours. Do whatever you want with it." And then that's it. It's done. And and that's how I there's kind of this lightness and like giving it's uh, with the with the songs that usually end up for me in the Chet Faker project versus you know, the reason I created this kind of space to put music out under my birth name is so I could kind of have a song that that doesn't immediately think of the listener and and I could use it for my own kind of personal development. You know, maybe I wanted to like bow a guitar for 10 minutes and I, I'm, I was, I'm very aware that a lot of people don't want to hear me do that. <laughs> so I, but, but I knew that I needed to do that because it helped me kind of, you know, clean out this gunk from inside of me emotionally or whatever. So that's kind of the difference. It's like Chet Fake is very giving. And then, but sometimes I need to do stuff for myself that asks a lot of the listener. So I wanted to create a space where it's like, okay, if you guys, if you are, if you do want to dig into this and like follow me, come along. But if you don't, that's cool. It's separate. Mm, yeah, well, you've explained that really clearly. I, I know there was a lot of confusion when back in 2016, mm. you, you know, you made the announcement that, you know, Chet was taking a back seat and Nick Murphy was mm. taking over. Let me just quickly ask you this because I don't want to hone in on it too much, but what was harder mm. for you, going from Chet to Nick or from going from Nick back to Chet? What was the harder, harder leap, the first or the second? Oh, I mean, man, <laughs> I, it, I actually think in a lot of way, it was, it had, be, it had gotten so insanely big for a project that was me messing around in my mom's garage that, and it was all it was people and teams around me that just was so invested in me doing the same thing to make this money. It's like, I kind of had to kill it in the most like violent way just for myself, just to be like, yo, I'm not like a wind up pop monkey. You know, I'm not like, I never signed to a major label. I didn't have like millions of dollars PR backing. Like I was independent the whole way. And I literally was like playing stuff in my mom's garage. And I was like, I got to just, this is intense. I'm 24 and millions of people are telling me what I'm supposed to do. So that was kind of the thing that was, that was difficult. Once I'd done that, like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't care less now because I was able to go and do that uh, work that I needed. I kind of know who I am now, you know, I'm not 22 anymore. And um, more importantly, uh, I understand what, you know, my relationship to music better and what it wants to be. And I don't feel this like huge pressure to have to do, you know, certain things. The irony, of course, is that allows me to do more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you've opened up, you know, well, yeah. you've opened up two avenues now and it looks like, you know, side exactly. by side, they can exist. Yeah, I think they will. That was, that was always kind of the, the intention a, a little bit for me, you know, was to kind of have these different spaces for these different outputs. 
but yeah, bring, bringing back this project was, um, was actually this album kind of just wrote itself. I, I wasn't really trying to write an album. And I, I remember like May last year looking at the playlist and being like, whoa, this is a whole, <laughs> it's a whole ass album here. <laughs> and also kind of being like begrudgingly admitting like, and this is definitely a Chet Faker album. Like, whoops. I think it's because I made it in this tiny space, which was how I did Built on Glass and Thinking in Textures, you know? Yeah. So um, I was reminding you versus, of that. Well, I think that process is what creates that kind of sound or, or output versus like Run Fast, Sleep Naked or Music for Silence was like, I worked with engineers or I was working in studios or producers. It was like me sort of exploring different ways of, 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 of making music and you know, just, just exploring really. Okay. Chet Faker, listen, we're just about to lose our line, but it's been so great to talk to you and well done on Hotel Surrender. It's a really great record. Thank you very much. It's great to have Chet back with album number two. It's finally come. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But you keep well and keep safe in New York City, okay? Thanks very much. Great to chat. So you sold yourself a lie you remembered Remembered all you dreamed of Keeping up with the world of new music. This is 2021 with Richard Kingsmill.